And I think, not think, I know that most of the church today has, has forgotten that. If not forgotten, what we've done is we've put it on the back shelf. You know, it's just, it's just kind of like, yeah, that's one of the theological things we believe, is that someday Jesus is coming back. But I don't have time to worry about that. And I have to say, New Testament Christians, not worry, but they thought about that continually. We're talking about something today that just rarely gets talked about these days, and that's the topic of the return of Jesus. And you may think, what does this have to do with youth ministry? And what does this have to do with students? It has everything to do with our approach. And our eyes will be open today to maybe something we've never seen or understood before in the context of our work with students in our lives personally. And I can't wait to get into this conversation. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Well, we're glad you're here for this episode of The Thought Factory. We're going to jump into this part two of a a long conversation we have with a dear friend of ours. And so if you didn't catch the last episode... Uh, with our friend Dave, you need to hear this episode because it's something that that challenged our staff when he shared it with us, and we thought it was so good that we wanted to share it with this audience. So go back and listen to that, and we're going to continue that conversation today. So Dave Butts is a, is a good friend of ours. He's a personal friend of mine. He's one of the great leaders out there in my mind. He He's chairman of the executive board for the National Day of Prayer. He's president of the National Prayer Committee. Jason, we brought him on this season for our ministry to really mentor and equip our staff as we go into Claim Your Campus 2020. And week after week, we get to hear him teach us live and share with us. And sometimes it's like, these things are so good, we don't want to keep them to ourselves. And we decided to go off script a little bit in this conversation. And we ended up going into a topic that Dave had talked to us about, and we're reading one of his books that uh, talks about this. And this conversation that we had uh, with Dave, originally we thought it would go a certain direction, and we ended up kind of diverting off into another topic that that Dave has shared with us as a staff, and we thought it was good enough and, and interesting enough that it needed to be shared on a, on a more broad level. Dave, you said something the other day, and it's it's a conversation that a friend of mine and I have had for a few years, that Jesus is coming back, and how we've lost that sense of expectancy, and how, you know, our understanding of the New Testament church in terms of his return and what that means for us today, and I'd like to yeah. talk about that for a few minutes. So you you mentioned um, number one just our reading of 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 Acts one and our reading in in light of Acts one the New Testament uh, what that meant for the early church talk about that I, I think that we have somehow just kind of uh, rushed through Acts one to get to Acts two and and we have we have not stopped to consider what what I would call something as significant as the Great Commission. You know, we, we talk a lot about the Great Commission, that Jesus sends us into the whole world to make disciples. 
Hey, that is that is absolute. Those are the words of Jesus. That's absolute right. It's good. It's wonderful. But I think we also need to add to that the experience, the encounter that the, the apostles had in Acts one. They're standing on the Mount of Olives with Jesus, and you know he just is talking with them, and he literally says, you know, you're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And like they're ready for more teaching, and suddenly he starts drifting upwards. I mean, he literally just, just literally goes right up. And all they can see now are the soles of his sandals. And he goes up, and, and a cloud hides him, and they're still staring up, and, the, and, and a couple of angels shows up. You know, so they go, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking to the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Now, I think our danger is that we have made that, oh, well, they're talking second coming. That's in Revelation. Let's just jump into the rest of Acts and all the rest of stuff. And I don't think we can do that. I think we need to look at, put ourselves in the lives of the believers, and they're going, He's going to come back the same way we saw him. And you have to believe that every one of those men, every time they walked outside and looked up, they had to wonder, is it today? Is, is he coming back? Are, are we going to see those same sandals coming back down? I don't know that they had developed, you know, all of our theories and ideas, you know, on the second coming. But what they had and what you see if you read what I think accurately, the rest of the New Testament is a group of people who spent their days eagerly anticipating the return of their Lord. Now, they were not allowed the luxury of sitting on a mountain waiting, because the last words of Jesus is, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. They had a job to do, but their job was all in the context of his return. And I think, not think, I know that most of the church today has has forgotten that. If not forgotten, what we've done is we've put it on the back shelf. You know, it's just it's just kind of like, yeah, that's one of the theological things we believe, is that someday Jesus is coming back, but I don't have time to worry about that. And I have to say, New Testament Christians, not worry, but they thought about that continually. It was in their teaching continually. They're always talking. They, they gave the gospel, but they gave the gospel in the context of Jesus' return. They wanted to prepare people for the return of Jesus. And I think that that changed them and gave them a sense of holiness and urgency and passion that the church today is lacking. So if, if we're going to become New Testament Christians— I think we're going to have to put ourselves back on the Mount of Olives, standing there with the apostles, looking up and hearing the words of those two angels saying again, what are you doing? Why are you looking up? You know, you, you've got to know that Jesus is coming back. So go get busy because he's going to come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And, and, and so I, to me, it changes it changes everything that I do. So Dave, you and you'd mentioned that where that anticipation 
fostered such passion. And there have been times throughout the history of the church since then where that anticipation has waxed and waned, so to speak. You know, it's it's grown oh, yeah. and it's decreased. And yeah. and I think it's interesting, you know, with what you're talking about and, and as I've thought about it, that as as that anticipation has grown, that there's been a passion in the church that it's stoked up and it's brought with it things like awakenings and revivals and and these movements of God across the world throughout countries and peoples and regions and, and, and all across the world. And um, But yet today, there's a different view of his return than what we see in the New Testament, almost as if today it's an interruption into our daily lives. I think that's, that's true, that we, even among those who love the Lord and, you know, are all for the second coming, it's more like, man, I hope he doesn't come right now because I'm busy. I got stuff to do. Rather than the blessed hope, rather than that passionate longing for his return that you see uh, in, in the early church. I mean, I was just, I, I sit here, I was turning to, uh, to First Peter, and I was focusing on how often they would talk about their salvation and the gospel and fold, fold it into the return of Jesus. In uh, in First Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 5, he talked about this inheritance uh, who is kept in heaven for you, who, who through faith are shielded by God's power into the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Everything they do is keeps talking about the second coming. Uh, later on in verse 13 of First Peter 1, Therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You know, over and over again, they keep talking about this. Not with the idea that they are trying to figure it out. You know, there's not that sense of trying to figure out when or the timing. Yeah. But it's a passionate desire for his coming whenever it is, and it's never an add-on. It is, it is woven into the presentation of the gospel. You know, that's, that's what I love about when you read the New Testament. Talk about this for a minute, how we get today, how when, we say, when you say second coming of Jesus, there's a lot of baggage with that, and there's a lot of distractions. Yeah. That, that's, that's the problem. As soon as you talk second coming, as soon as you very mention it, people are, I mean, there's a significant number of people who are turned off. They don't want to talk about it. It seems speculative. There's a, another number of people who want to talk about it, but they don't want to talk about it in anything other than argue, are you premillennial? Are you dispensational? Are you all millennial? Are you, you know, they want to argue about it. They want to have speculation. They want to know what, what camp you're in, and I don't see any of that in the New Testament. I see it woven into the presentation of the gospel, and, and, and that's, that's what I think is so important for us uh, to, today, uh, is, is, to, is to go back, read again. I mean, you know, it doesn't take you that long to read through the gospels. It doesn't take you that long to read through the letters, you know, 
and, and you start to, to look at this, and it's just everywhere. I, I look here, First Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray, and above all, love each other deeply. You know, that's the kind of teaching on the second coming that you find in the New Testament. It's, it's not about, you know, which camp are you in, but it's all about Jesus is coming back. How are you living? How are you, how are you going to be ready for his return? You know, and that's, that's what you see throughout the, the times of, of, uh, of Scripture. The whole third chapter of Second Peter, you know, is just talking about this. And, and so here's, listen to what Peter said. He, he just talked about the destruction of everything, how everything's going to be burned up. Okay, then in verse 11, he says, Now since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed it's coming. You know, so his whole thing is about your lifestyle, about how you live. But how you live, if you try to simply live the Christian life apart from this strong, motivating, built-into-the-gospel concept of the return of Jesus, it's not going to work well. And, and so, I mean, it's like God has taught us, Hey, you want to live a holy, godly life? You need to pay attention to the fact that Jesus is coming back. I remember in the, you know, I'm old enough, I remember the uh, the Jesus revolution, the Jesus people, the late 60s, early 70s. You know, one of the things that prompted that was a real focus on the return of Jesus. We didn't understand things very well, I think. But there was a passionate desire and a belief that Jesus was coming back soon. And it changed the way we lived. It really brought about an awakening among a whole generation. And, and, and so I, I would say, again, I think especially among those who are working with young people, go back and read the New Testament and see how the second coming of Christ is woven into just regular, everyday teaching, and it will blow you away. And you begin to understand, we have missed out on something that the Holy Spirit has given us in his word as a means of bringing holiness and godliness into our lives. And I think, Dave, as, I, as you shared this with our staff as we're talking now, God has really spoken to me so deeply about this because over the years as I've, when you, when you said it earlier here in this conversation, when you said sometimes we... We see his return as an interruption, like, oh, I hope it's not now because I'm busy or I'm going to this phase of life or I want to be a parent or I want to get married and all those things. And what that did for me is it really highlighted and revealed that I don't have a longing as much as I wish I did for his presence because his return means his presence. And if there's one thing we see in the Gospels, you know, I think about, you know, some of Jesus' parables in the New Testament when he says, you know, depart from me because I didn't know you. There was not a longing. And C.S. Lewis talks about that a lot. Do we have a longing for his presence? Do we have a yeah. longing to be with him? And so when we think about his return as an interruption, even into some of our kingdom endeavors and work, 
what we oh. what I think that really reveals is it reveals within us this shortfall of our longing for his presence. It reveals our heart. Yes. It, it, it really does. I always go back to, to that letter uh, that, that Jesus had sent to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. They worked hard. They believed the right things. They stood against persecution. But Jesus said, however... You've left your first love. Yes. And I think that is so, it just sounds really bad. I don't mean it. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but it's so easy to lose your first love while you're getting caught up in believing right things and doing right things and even working hard. I mean, I look at this and I'm going, what church wouldn't love to have a, a church full of people like the Ephesians? They yes. believe the right things and they work hard. And, you know, most pastors would be going, I mean, what more do you want? Yes. They work hard and they, they have hold on to good doctrine. And Jesus said, I got this against you and you're going to lose your way. Yes. Because you lost your first love. And your first love is all about the presence of Jesus. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I struggled with, uh, I, you know, I had this stage four cancer where and we weren't quite sure if I was going to pull through on this. And I was, I was in the midst of, of chemo. And, and I know one night I was up in the middle of the night walking around. And I just didn't want to go through that. I just didn't want to fight all the, the chemo stuff. And, and I just remember, and I'm not trying to push myself on this, but I just, at, at that point, I just said, Lord, I, I would just like to go home and be with you. Mm. I just want to see you face to face. That, that, that was my desire. And I, I fully remember that. That was my prayer. Now, to be honest, after praying that for a couple of weeks, the Lord kind of spoke to my heart and said, Dave, look, when I'm ready for you, I'll come get you. <laughs> yeah. You 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 got work to do, and so I, I laid that aside because I realized that my time to see him face to face was not yet. But but I'm praying that I would still have that passionate desire always. You know, I I, I look you know even the Philippians that you know letter of joy and it says you know rejoice in the Lord again. I say rejoice. The end is near. I'm in, right in the middle of talking about great joy. Paul still plops that right in the middle of it. Yes. The end is near. You just can't hardly turn a corner in the New Testament without seeing the apostles teach us that we need to stay focused on the return of Jesus because that will stoke the fires of our first law yes. to see him face to face. Your thoughts are always amazing to me. I'm so grateful and You've been you are you're a gift to the church throughout the world and to the prayer movement throughout the world, especially particularly in the United States and what you're doing. Well, we know that this conversation is important, Jason. It's important for us to be aware and talking about and living in light of the fact that Jesus is returning one day. I think we can hear that and think end times, doom and gloom the conspiracy theories, the uh, the devastation of what could happen in the rapture and revelation and all that stuff starts to play into that when we start talking about the return of Jesus and the glory of his return and everyone will, will notice and bow down. And what Dave did was focus it on, on the gospel message is centered around that, his return and not not so focus on the camp that you are a part of and the, the theology and the belief system and all that stuff. It's like 
It's living as if he's going to return tomorrow, just like the early disciples and apostles were doing. They, they weren't aware of the book of Revelation at that time. They were going, is, he gonna, is today going to be the day that Jesus is returning? It's, it's important for us as a lens through which we look at and live our lives. And I personally was very challenged in this conversation because I thought it really helped highlight for me, and I, and I hope it does for you as well, the, the understanding that we should, as believers and Christ followers, long for his presence. Not just in our daily lives, but if there's anything we should long for his return so that we can finally see him face to face. And and that's such a great reminder for me that that my number one responsibility in this life is to walk with God every day and to enjoy his presence. And that comes through being in his word when I can. That comes to praying to him. And that also comes to just having an ongoing conversation and an awareness of his presence in our lives. So we hope this conversation was helpful for you today. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.